Hi, this is Telvin Jeffries with Human Fluent. And if you want to create an impactful kingdom business, you should be listening to the Internal Entrepreneur Podcast with my good friends, Joe Newton and Pierce Brantley. The Eternal Entrepreneur gives you the stories and strategies to gain freedom as a Christian business leader. You'll hear from real entrepreneurs who have learned how to partner with God, from making millions to filing bankruptcy. These are honest stories to help you hear God's voice and build a lasting legacy through business. Hello and welcome back, and thank you for joining us for episode five of the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Pierce Brantley, along with my co-host, Joe Newton, and we could not be more excited to share with you our conversation today with Telvin Jeffries. Telvin is an executive coach and organizational consultant with more than 20 years of experience enhancing the performance of individual executives, teams, and organizations. He comes with a wealth of experience working himself in the C-suite with companies like Radio Shack and Kohl's. Today, he helps executives through his company, Human Fluent. Before we jump into the interview today, we wanted to ask if you would help us out by leaving us a five-star review and sharing the podcast with a friend. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of my book, Calling, How to Partner with God in Any Business with Any Boss at Any Place in Life, then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for a weekly email or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Now, on to the interview. And we're live. Well, Telvin Jeffries, welcome to the Eternal Entrepreneur. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we just heard in the interview kind of about your past and your bio and a little bit about what you're doing these days with um, the coaching and consulting. But we always like to give a little context. We like our our interviews, like our Bible, you know, in context. So (laughs) That's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, We think so. It helps us. So I was wondering if you could take us back a couple of years to sixth grade Telvin Jeffries and kind of tell us was... Being in the C-suite was having your own business, was the entrepreneurial bug, was all that kind of in you from the beginning or, or how did that sort of grow out of you and, and, and where did God show up in that, that journey? I think let's go back to sixth grade. Wow. Yeah. yeah uh, just a couple so, of years ago. Yeah. Just a couple of years ago. I think the first thing I'd say for me, leadership and entrepreneurship probably was always there. Yeah. And I was the kid who, when everybody wanted to put play football in the backyard, I was like, we need to set up a group of teams and like, I can organize this. (laughs) And, you know, we need to have like our whole neighborhood league. So that was kind of my thought. I think that's probably more leadership than entrepreneurial. Yeah. But then, you know, I was also the kid who was like, let's take all the magazines from your parents and all of their records, and let's go sell them to the neighbors. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, yeah. I've always had a hustle. <laughs> I've always had a, that needs to be a T-shirt for yeah. you. Yes, there you go. I've always had a hustle, a good hustle. Yeah, but I've always holy had a hustle. hustle. Yeah, a holy hustle. For me, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. People ask. Uh, someone asked me recently, "When did you come to the Lord?" And I would say, "I didn't. I have never come to the Lord. The Lord actually came to me. Right. And I grew up with a grandmother." who lived with my mom and dad in Richmond, Virginia, in the suburbs of Richmond, Virginia. And in that scenario, my grandmother was always this person who was on her knees praying, reading her Bible, and then her devotional. And when she wasn't doing that, she was singing worship songs. Mm -hmm. 
And like, that's what I remember of her, like pretty much every day. And then every time I probably got saved through Billy Graham crusades. Cause every time it came on, like we watched, yeah. okay. uh, like, no, I'm seriously, I probably got saved like a thousand times. Okay. Because I literally like watched every last one of them. And so I actually could, I could do his, you know, not that it was a shtick, but I could do that. You yeah. Know, I could do that presentation myself because I probably heard it so much. <laughs> and so, but I will tell you the Holy spirit actually started speaking to me at a very young age. And at a very young age, like I was reading my Bible, I was talking to the Lord. So this transition between coming to the Lord or finding him really wasn't my journey. My journey was he was always talking and I just kind of knew it was him. Right. And I may have been early on, like, you know, where Paul says, you know, that person you guys are talking about is that God that you call the unnamed God. Right. That's God. Right. That's Jesus. Well, I knew the lab- the names and right. I'm not sure. I just knew it was God. And that later in life did I flesh out, okay, well, we've kind of made a little sometimes very difficult for people, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy <laughs> Spirit. And so, you know, I don't want to get into any theology on that context, but but for me, I just always knew, right? Today I would say that person who's been speaking to me was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Do you have any specific examples of when you were young of of what that looked like for you? Like you know, everyone hears his voice in a little bit different way. What did that look like for you? So I had very strict parents. I used to say to my parents, like, you got me working like a slave here. Okay. <laughs> because as a kid, like I had, I was, I have a brother who is 13 years younger. Oh, wow. Okay. Than I. So when I was young, my mother, I would probably say maybe it was probably fifth or sixth grade. Like I had to like clean the house like, I mean, literally get on the, you know, my hands and knees and scrub the floors, mm-hmm. like the bathrooms and the foyer and all this kind of stuff. I had to wash out the garage floor and clean it out. I had to cut grass. And so I remember wanting to just cut corners on doing that. Yeah. And I could hear, seriously, clear as day, spirit would say, yeah, nah, it's not a good idea. And it wasn't ever like guilt. Yeah, yeah. It was more like, mm, that's just not going to work out for you. In fact, I could hear him say, it's not going to work out for you later. <laughs> wow. Like, it's about what you're building, the character you're building for yourself. Yes. Now, don't, you can't do this. Like, it's not good for you later. And I can't tell you that I understood what he meant about later. I mean, listen, at sixth grade, you ain't thinking about later. Right. Later could be like, when I get to high school, maybe. I wasn't thinking like now. And <laughs> because I never thought I'd like, you know, <laughs> be like this old man. But nevertheless... It was certainly a scenario for me where I just knew it was him and he would talk to me that way. Also, there were times of like inspiration. The things I'll say this to you because it's important, I think, for people, because I'm sure there are people like this. When I got to be a teenager, I could tell you I would start to hear like impressions and thoughts like, wait a minute. And it was more impressions than thoughts, but it was like, you're never going to make it to, you'll never make it to 18. You'll mm-hmm. never make it to 21, right? You'll be dead by then. And it was like impressions. It was never a voice. Yeah. And it was like the spirit was like, mm, nah, nah. And so I go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't mean that I wasn't, didn't have that impression. Now, why I even had that? You could, psychologists could tell you a lot of things or whatever. But I knew that there was something in me that would just like, no, push a little further. Don't worry about it. Next. Yeah. In fact, so in that context, it was almost like I, that impression, that same voice would say to me, 
well, just if it happens, you just got to fight. And then I would be like, okay, well, all right, well, we're going to fight. So we'll be fine. Yeah. And eventually I just stopped listening to that voice or that thought. And it's not a voice because I want to say it stop a voice. But if I fast forward to, to this day, this is why for me and my guidance in my life, I know when it's him, when it's not. Right. I just go, oh, wait a minute. I know that voice because I've known it for a long time. Right. You have that history. Yeah. yeah. We, we, yes, definitely. Yeah. We've been running partners a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. So, so what did that, that look like as you transition out of the sixth grade, leave your parents' house? Were you one of those people you went to college and knew what you wanted to, to study right away? Or was that sort of a journey to figure out? Everyone told me I would be, listen, I can't even say it right now. But literally a preacher, a pastor, right? <laughs> You're going to be a pastor. I'm like, oh, no. And I actually started off as a business major, switched to religion and philosophy out of guilt. Mm. Like thinking, I better go do this. This is like God's real plan for me. Right. Like I had this thing. It's A or B. Mm. A is you got to go do ministry. Like you have to go either like be a pastor or you like got to go to Africa and live in a hut and save the natives or something. Um, <laughs> right. That's a great reason to start moving into ministry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. It works out really well for most people. Yeah, exactly. Or B right. God's will is you could go into something that's secular, but it's really not God's plan. Right. Now I can't tell you that anybody ever told me that, but it's certainly the impression I had. And it was mm-hmm. certainly the reference point from which I was working. I think a lot of people are in that place where they think, all right, I have God's, let's say, perfect will for my life, which is going into ministry, or I have his permissible will, which is going into the corporate world. And he may not be angry at me, but he may have thought I could have chosen something better for myself. Yes. And more in line with what he wants. Not realizing that you have an open field of opportunity. The harvest is ripe, right where you're going. Well, God made the world and he probably (laughs) wants it to work in order. Yeah. I always use the example of who did God gave someone the inspiration and the interest to be the person who build roads and someone to do traffic engineering Mm. and someone to do get planes so that we can get to where we want to go and all those kinds of things. And so if you consider that, that he wants the world to be in order, there is no A or B. <laughs> it's great. all, right? Yeah. It's all in his design. Right. And sometimes I believe we're so focused on leaving here that we don't forget that his original intent was to make this earth work. Yes. Right? Yes. And so in 2,000 years, it hasn't changed. I'm not saying, again, I'm not going into a a theological discussion, but I think right now he wants it to work. And for us to be able to restore creation as much as we can through our work. So for me, that late, that journey came later. I was in college and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I really want to do this. And I was just, I just had this bad sense and feeling about being a pastor. Like there's, I, I can't even describe why I didn't like the idea, but I was like, I don't know. I definitely don't want to do this, but so I switched back. Okay. <laughs> right? yeah. And then, but I still thought I would actually eventually go do it. Right. Cause I just thought like, this, this is what everybody's been telling me, you know, in fact, all right. I grew up as a Baptist in Virginia and people would say, you got a head like a deacon. 
Okay. <laughs> right. Boy, you're going to be a pastor. Um, you got a head like a deacon. And so I would say, okay, you know, so I'm thinking, feeling my head. And I'm like, guess maybe I am supposed to be. Maybe, you know, that's how it works. It's a deacon head. That means you should be a pastor. So, but while I was in college, I mean, I was working full time for, and pretty much full time, but I was working full time for a retailer who actually put me in a manager trainee program and let me go okay. to school and work at the same time. Oh, cool. And so it just shifted, that changed my trajectory, not yeah. because, and it was just money. Right. Like it wasn't like a God moment or anything like that. Maybe I'm sure he was working in that, Yeah. but it wasn't like I had a God moment. It was like, okay, these people are going to pay me right. real money. Right. And they're going to let me go to school. And my school was like, 10 blocks from, from where I was working oh, wow. and they're going to make me a manager trainee. And most of the people who are manager trainees have already graduated and they're going to let me do this. And my career just started from there, just progressing yeah. in that or in the retail industry and specifically in human resources. And so at that point it was kind of like, all right, the stone was cast. I was yeah. going, I was going to do the business. Did you find a parallel in like the pastoral aspect of what everyone was saying and the HR part of what you were doing, or is that more kind of subconscious sub story? I think it's more sub story. I don't think I was astute enough to realize that, you know, later on in that point, I just became, I was so enamored that they like chose me. Right. And I'm mm. like, okay, me, they picked me. And so I was getting that, you know, I was doing that work and then I just was good at it. Like I just kept progressing. Right. And so Part of it's while it's working. Now, I tell people this all the time. Just because it's working doesn't mean you should work it. Right. But for me, it was working. So I rode that, you know, I rode that train. Can you go into that a little bit more just because it's working uh, doesn't mean you should work it? Because is that coming from like a place of people putting pressure on what they think you should do or what? unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah, because I think there's a thing. So, if you know, if you fast forward now, someone who... And we'll get into, you know, maybe in my background and what I've done in my career, but I've seen enough people's careers. I've helped people manage their careers. I've influenced enough people's careers to say that you probably want to work where you're being energized and you find, I'm not going to say this thing with passion because I know people always say that, but I would say that you have inspiration around the work. Mm. We can do a lot of things but I'm not always inclined to do it, right? Right. And so I always say, you got to question, like don't let somebody give you something and tell you you're great at it, which you are, and you're doing it, but you hate it. Yeah. Or there are aspects of it that's actually killing you, but you're going, but I can do it. And we don't have to do that anymore. There, were, there was a time where you had to do what you had to do, mm -hmm. right? But now we have options. And so... To me, at least in, in the U.S., right, I would say it's a travesty to do something that someone else told you you should do and a dream they have for you mm. doing work right. that you can do, but you don't really want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. That's probably, that's a, listen, in my belief, that's a recipe for, for an unhealthy life. And I mean physically. Yeah. I know uh, even in my own life, if I were to rewind all the way back to the beginning of my career, I had a trajectory in design and I was really skilled at design and, you know, I got some creative juices out of that and everything else, but I knew ultimately I could either continue in that vein indefinitely 
or I could start saying to myself, all right, what are kind of the unspoken fears? What are you not telling yourself that you need to kind of let go of and move past? And in doing that, you know, you uncover more and more inspiration and more and more capacity of what God's put in you. And it has nothing to do with the fact that one thing is necessarily lesser than the other, but there's a trajectory that you can move in that will unpack more and more of the glory of God in your life and more and more of what he could eventually use you for. It's kind of taking faith and trusting that versus just kind of going in the direction of, well, you know, I can do it, puts a roof over the head, whatever. But there's always kind of that decision to live from a place of, well, I'm providing for myself and I can do the thing or going on the adventure. Yes. And unpacking and unpacking what that could look like. Yes, absolutely. I think what's important to for people to consider is to find out what that is because then you're functioning. Mm. Sometimes we're talking, we're having thoughts in my mind about what I should be doing, what I could do, but it's kind of like a tree. When a tree fully functions in itself. Well, that's good. Right? Mm-hmm. Come on. Okay. Well, then it actually, it does it actually, that's where the glory comes out of it, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Because it is actually doing everything it's supposed to do. It's why it's here. Mm. So you can move into work that is, you can do, but you're still in dysfunction, right? So move to function, find where that is. And, you know, you think about the tree, right? It, it actually is providing oxygen for us. It provides maybe food for us. It, it actually is good for our eye, for us to see and enjoy, right? And by the way, that whole enjoy thing is something that I think we're all missing. Mm. Because, again, I'm not good at this, right? But Spirit has been really talking to me about this and this whole idea of do you enjoy what you're doing? Do you enjoy your work? Do you enjoy the trees in front of your house? Mm-hmm. Actually, that water you just drank, did you enjoy it or did you just drink it? That's good. Right? So when we talk about this tree, it makes me think, right, this whole idea of, okay, so functionally that tree, when it actually is providing oxygen, when it's providing food, when it's providing letting us see the glory of God and enjoy it through our eyes, it's functioning. What happens when we don't do that? What is missing in the earth? Mm. Mm. I had a friend, a very close friend of mine who told me once I was asking them because they were in a, kind of a hard place. And I said, you know, what do you think, you know, we're supposed to be doing or what you're supposed to be doing in life? And they, they told me, they said, you know what? I don't think that you are ever supposed to really be happy in this life. You're not supposed to enjoy anything. Your point here is to work hard and then eventually, you, you know, you'll earn your rest in heaven. And they were a God, they were a Christian. I know who they, who Christ had been in their lives, but it was an area of dysfunction where they thought, okay, my point here is to work hard. I'll put food on the table. I'll keep the boat moving, but ultimately it's petty or I shouldn't really be going after the things that would actually fulfill me because that's almost a, a forsaking of responsibility when, but when you look at, for instance, like you look at the Genesis story, I think God laid out an amazing map for us. When he does something and he goes, oh, it's good. This is good. Oh, this is very good. And the earth is formless and void. And he's always hovering over formless and void things and then creating something good out of them. And as him being our father, we can look at that, right? We can say, oh, man, what could be fulfilled if we were partnering together right now? What could get unpacked? What, what good could come of us 
doing this together. And there's fulfillment in that. There's enjoyment in that. There's overflow from that. That's you know, talk, Bible talks about the fruit of the spirit, you know, to extend that analogy a little bit for, more, you know, what's growing off of you? Well, things are going to grow off of you when you're in that trajectory, just like that you discovered. Yeah. Let me add something to that whole part. And you just said about being good mm. when he said it's good. Mm. And you said something about fruit of the spirit. Let's make a connection there. Right. And this is why you got to function, walk in your function. Every time he said it was good, I would beg you and your listeners to go and do some research. Was he saying good and our understanding of in the Western context, or was he speaking in a near Eastern context? Because that's the book, right? When the man, the young, the ruler comes to Jesus at night and calls him good teacher, he says, who is good? No one is good but the Father. Let's go back. We have Genesis narrative that you're speaking of, which I love and been spending lots of time in it. I think I've shared this with you. I beg you to go back and look. Every time he was saying good, he was saying, now I'm in it. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Ooh, come on. Wow. (laughs) That's awesome. Right? Every time we say good, I'm in it. So the spirit is hovering over the dark and the void. He now creates these, he's now speaks these things into existence, but these things have to be formed. And once they're formed, like the man was formed and he breathed Mm. right into the man, Mm. what he was in the man. Now in the earth, in these different places, he was doing it and he says, it is now good. What is he saying? I'm in it now. I'm in your work now. I'm in it. Come on. I'm in it. And at the very end. (laughs) We can stop there. That's good. Right? Yeah. That's good. (laughs) And so at the end. So yeah, God's in it. God's God's in in it. it. Yes. And at the end, he says, now I'm going to rest. And we say, well, he rested like he's slumbering. But God doesn't need to sleep. He could say, I'm done because I'm in everything now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the earth. Yeah. I'm in that water. Think about this. The water, he spoke to the water. And he said, water, you create all the stuff that's in this water. He didn't instruct the water what kind of things to put in the water. Once he spoke himself into the water, he gave its ability to be creative, to produce all the things that that water needed. Come on. That's us. Yeah. So when you move in your function, you can do it. The water didn't need anything outside of itself yeah. to actually produce everything it needed for its ecosystem to work. Mm. Right. I like that. Well, I think we often we ask for permission from the Almighty for things. Well, should I go pursue this job? Should mm-hmm. I go pursue this business endeavor? Should and it's good to be in relationship and communication with the, the Father because he'll have perspectives. But so often, I don't want to extend it too far, but so often the answer is yes, son. Yes, daughter. I have created you with the capacity as going even back, you know, go and take dominion, go and craft this world and be a part of this world in the way I've ultimately designed it to be and go after that. And so often I think we go, well, maybe I need to get some kind of infilling to be creative or infilling to be, you know, a business owner or infilling to go pursue this job. And I'm in you. Yeah. I'm already here. I'm already here. And your thought probably is my thought. I believe it. I probably gave it to you. Yeah. You got the mind of Christ. I probably gave it to you. Yeah. So go do it. Now you might ask, you might make a plan and then I'll direct your steps. I think that's scriptural. (laughs) (laughs) 
for you wait for me to tell you what to do, you're probably going to keep waiting. Yeah, <laughs> probably will. Right? Yeah. I always say this. A plane gets its direction in the air <laughs> on the way. I love that. Right? You got to be up first. Yeah, you got to get up. You got to get yeah. off the ground. Okay. So let's bring it back to a little more practical, like how you apply these things. Does this yeah. come up with the the people that you, you're coaching, that you're consulting? Like, yes. how does this practically show up in your life? Yeah, I would say, first of all, for me, I try to walk in self-existence. Okay, um, unpack that for me yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and, and not codependently. Okay. You kind of went there, right? When you talked about, all right, I need to know what to do. Well, maybe I, I need to be inspired from my heart knowing I have his heart and I have his mind. And so that means when I want to decide to do something with my business or even coming here to have this conversation, I don't overly stress about what I'm going to say or when I am thinking about a business strategy, I kind of think about what I know. And then I don't really get too crazy about whether or not it's going to work or not, just because I go, I'm self-existent. What does that mean? I don't need anything outside of me to validate me. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I don't need to go outside of myself to actually get his approval because he's in me and I'm already approved. <laughs> I can't get any more approved than I'm approved. Right. right? Uh, there's no more approval. Okay. It is finished. It's finished. Yeah. So that may mean that I still listen to the spirit. You know, Paul decided he wanted to go certain places to, to right. do missionary work, right? He didn't ask the Holy Spirit all the time, but then there were times when the Holy Spirit said, right. whoa, 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 not now. That's the same thing with us. Right, right, you, right. you can't be asking every five minutes what right. to do. Like, because he's growing you up to be a son. son. I think that's critical, though. I mean, that you've, you've hit on that and you've discovered that because I think a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people who are trying to figure out what they're supposed to do are looking for that outside validation and even maybe outside validation from Lord himself. And, you know, well, I haven't gotten these signs. I haven't gotten all these things. And I see these people that are successful over here. Therefore, and they make the assumptive jump, they must have gotten all that outside validation. Otherwise, they wouldn't be where they're at. And you're saying no. And I mean, you've got the proof. You've got all, tons of testimony and proof points and milestones in your own life that it's you're I love what you said earlier. You know, you're already approved. You can't be more approved than you're approved. Go and have faith that you're already working in step locks up with the Lord. Listen, but know but that you're but go. Yeah. Listen, but go. Listen, but go. Sometimes we're waiting. We we're saying, I want you to tell me what to do. Because I'm really, I'm kind of an orphan in my own mind. Right. <laughs> right? Wow. And I'm not an orphan. All, all things, I'm here for him. I'm a manifestation of him on the earth. I got to go do, I see a need. This is how I want to figure out my entrepreneurship, right? My business. Yeah. I want to say, where is there a gap? Where can I serve people? Right. Right? Now, do I want to serve in that way? Mm. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Kind of. Well, I'll go investigate it. I might be wrong. By the way, it's okay to be wrong. Because if I don't want to be wrong, guess what? I'm being codependent. Right. Wow. <laughs> right? I'm worried about what you think or this person thinks or what I might think about my failure. Or I'm worried that he might be mad at me because I picked the wrong thing. <laughs> but we see a story where that didn't work out for some people very well. Some people with some <laughs> talents, right? Right. And they said, you are a hard master. So I hid my talents. 
Mm. Mm. So didn't work out very well for that person, right? No. So maybe we got to get up and move and be okay with maybe winning or maybe we actually fail. For me, I believe failure is feedback. When you're a son, it's just feedback. Yeah. Right? Because it's not going to ruin me. Well, I know in that parable, like, it's a pretty linear parable. But if you think about normal investments, right? Normal investments, you go put 10 out there, and a handful of them are going to win, and a handful of them are going to loss. Overall, if you're a smart steward, if you're a smart investor, you're all, overall, you're going to come back with a return. You're going to come back with growth. You're going to come back with good investments. When that doesn't change that, the fact that he was a, quote, unquote, hard master or whatever, is more or less irrelevant the, in the whole context of the story. If you just invested. But was he a hard some master? Some were going to fail. Yeah, no. He wasn't a hard master. It was his, his perception. It was his perception. But it was his perception of failure, right? Where the good stewards are like, you know what? Some of these are going to fail. Mm-hmm. A normal investor knows not every pick is a winner. But there's still going to be some growth there, right? And they're okay with that. And it's the guy that's like, you know what? I'd You might be hard. Investments might fail, therefore nothing. Well, then even what he had was taken away. So I think that's really, really important. You hit on something really critical there. Solomon's a great example for us because Solomon actually is the perfect. He is a scientist at life. He's a scientist at business, right? And he even says, cast your bread upon many waters. Still a little to the east, west, north, and south. Mm. Perhaps maybe all of them will work, but maybe maybe one of them things won't work. But you don't know. But that's what you got to do. My grandmother who owned a, who had a ninth grade education, owned multiple businesses and was really, really my inspiration. And she would always say, scared money don't make no money, boy. Mm. <laughs> scared money don't make no money. As they say, that'll preach. That'll preach or that dog will hunt, right? <laughs> and so that's also been influenced to me, but it backs up with scripture, right? Because the person who fears, right? All of these things you just can see. And I'm a big Solomon fan, right? It's actually how I made how I made a career decision. Oh, tell us about that. Yeah. So I'm working for my last, for the retailer, it's called Best Products. It was a catalog showroom based out of Richmond, Virginia, but they had moved me to Washington, DC. And I got a call after about a year work, after being in Washington, DC for a year, I got a call from my former boss there who'd left to go to Kohl's department stores in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And now, mind you, I'm from Richmond. I'm now living in Washington, D.C. And I get a call and they say, would you be interested in moving to Milwaukee, Wisconsin (laughs) for an opportunity? And I have to tell you, I never even heard of a Kohl's. I know what it was. (laughs) And tell you worse, actually, in my mind, Wisconsin was like Laverne and Shirley Happy Days. Like, that's it. Mm. Like, that's about it. Like. And by the way, there's no black people on Laverne and Shirley and no black people on Happy Day. So in my mind, <laughs> I'm thinking I probably shouldn't be going there, right? I'm not, this is not the place where I'm going to be welcomed. But anyway, that was wrong. Um, so it tells you about your perceptions, right? But anyway, I go visit them. They tell me about the opportunity and I do the, the Gideon Fleece program with God. <laughs> I say, listen, if I will take this job, but... I first got to turn it down and they have to come back to me mm. and then I'll know that this is something you want me to do. Mm. Now I hadn't been developed into, I was pure codependence mm. and not walking in self-existence. 
And, and in fact, I have to tell you, I was intellectually lazy there because what I would do, I didn't even like research the company. I was like, okay, my friend told me about it. I don't even know. It sounds like, they, you know, was they're nice people, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and so I was like, God, look, let me tell you, I'm going to be lazy. <laughs> and then that's what I would say now. I'm not going to do any research. I'm just going to, okay, if you want me to go, I'll go, if you know, you know. So if you want me to go, you got to do this thing, right? And so they actually send me, they send me an offer and I reject the offer. And then a day goes by and they don't say anything. Two days go by and they don't say anything. Three days go by and I get a call at 6 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) And the head of HR says, we're not walking away. Like, we're going to do this. We're going to get this done. We're going to get this deal done between you and I. And they make me an offer and I take the job. Now, I shouldn't have, if you look at all the facts around the situation, I should not have taken that job, okay? But I thought, I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose here. Because the company I was working with was probably going to go out of business in a year or two. And they actually went away like a year later, okay? And so I was like, I got nothing to lose. But my parents were like, are you crazy? You're moving to Wisconsin? What's wrong with you? (laughs) But the Bible says something interesting. Time and chance happen to us all. Ecclesiastes. Time and chance happen to us all. And I look at that and go, wait a minute. You better take your chance at your time. It may not come around. Mm. And I don't know. I can tell you now, being 51, be almost 50, I'll be 52 in a, in a month. I can tell you there are times, there are things that I passed on that I shouldn't have. The window was there, but that window's not always there. And I think people think, well, wait a minute, I need to hear. I need a clarity. I need more answer. I need to make sure that the Lord wants me to do this or not. Well, by the way, I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I could say that the Lord actually had them call me on the third day. <laughs> he might have actually responded to my fleece. Or maybe they just called me on the third day. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm betting on they maybe just called me on the third day. Okay. But it worked out for me. And I went from seriously getting like a $10,000 a year raise at 27. Okay with basically no experience. And that job turned out to be where I went from assistant personnel manager to the head of HR for a $14 billion company at age 34. That's incredible. So this is time and chance happen to us all. No, no. People go, I haven't got my break. No, no, no. Time and chance happen to us all. By the way, Solomon was saying, I have studied everything in the earth. I am a scientist at this thing, both how the earth works and how God works. Okay. And I'm going to tell you time and chance happen to everyone. But it says something there, right? To me, are we all taking our chance, right? At that time, are we worried? And I don't know if this is going to work. If this is the right one, or this is the right one. Now we could say, could God give it to us again? Absolutely. He could, but it may not be that one. Let me tell you where I'm going on this. I have the strong belief, and Christians don't like this, but here's the thing. I bet you the iPhone idea came to a son first, but a son was like, "Mm, I think that's too, you know, that's secular. I don't want to, you know, do I really want to do that? I don't want to be in that business. You know, that phone can do a whole kind of evil, and it's the mark of the beast and and all these other things, okay? I don't believe you can be connected to the creator of the universe 
and you're not getting business ideas. And the way to actually, because this phone, by the way, what does it do? It actually helps us right. do a whole lot of things. All of these ideas, I do believe, they came to us. We just didn't pay attention. We didn't bite. And so guess what? Time and chance came and it passed us and it went to someone else. Mm-hmm. I don't want to build big yes. theology out of it, but I can tell you, I don't believe we are taking advantage of all the opportunities he's giving us. Yeah. I would completely agree with you. I, I know actually a story, it's funny, actually, actually related to Apple. There was a brother, this was about, gosh, maybe 35, 37 years ago. And he had gotten this idea. It was a what if, but he was a very smart engineer. And it was, I wonder if a Mac OS could work on a Windows OS and vice versa. I wonder if someone could figure out some software architecture to make that happen. And he did figure it out and he didn't know how to do it technically, and then he did nothing with it. And now look at the world. There's parallels and there's a couple other things out there that accomplished that really, really, really important need. Yes. But a son didn't ultimately take credit for it, even though the idea probably by inspiration had come to him. And so it's very, very true. And the Bible talks about, Jesus talks about it. He says, hey, listen, sometimes the world's a little bit more true than you guys are. And part of it is because of that indecision, that and, or that that sense of um, you used a good word earlier of orphan thinking, mm-hmm. and that doesn't serve you when you talks about you know going out and doing what you think you should do. And I love your story because you just you went with it. You took your chance. The Lord was in it. You grew in it, but you just stepped. And sometimes we just gotta step, knowing that the Lord is going to catch your feet under the waves. It's just gonna happen. You gotta jump. You gotta jump. If you don't jump you're going to regret it and there's going to be part of you who's going to be dying because you're not walking in functionality. Yeah. Come on. Cause that's your thing. That's yeah. what you're supposed to do. That's like why you're here. And that part we don't take serious, Like we don't actually believe he wants you to be here and he wants you to do something here. Right. Yeah. And to reap the benefit of doing something here. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. We talk about, Oh, we want to have a kingdom business or we want to do kingdom things. Lord, show me where the kingdom is. Therefore, I can like go participate in it. And I don't see it here. I don't see it here. One of these days, maybe when I'm dead, I'm going to see the kingdom. No, the kingdom of God is like something that you are ushering in. Yes. It's something that you're participating in. It's something that you're walking forward in. You just got to do it. You got to do it. What's in you? It's in you. So bring it out. Bring it. Come on. Right. Exactly. Bring it out and put it into the earth. Part of our problem, though, is that we are so, <laughs> we either have this idea that I, I need to suffer here and do Jesus' job that he already did. Um, <laughs> oh, right? yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Or, like, he's coming back tomorrow. Well, okay, if he is, okay, you will be ready, right? Because you actually know why you would be ready, like, because you're a son already. So if he doesn't, like, what are you going to do? Like, be busy while you're waiting. Because, like, what if the people 2,000 years ago like, just gave up and stopped working and just said, oh, okay, well, he's coming back, so <laughs> we're not going to do anything. Like, we're just going to wait. No, like, we would not have all of these things that we need for the complexity of the world that we're living in. And to me, all this, what kingdom entrepreneurs can do is we can restore creation. 
It didn't say restore heaven. It doesn't say restore kingdom. The Bible says the son, that the creation is yearning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Wow. Yeah. It doesn't say for the, it doesn't say the heaven's waiting for you. Heaven's not waiting for you. That's so good. So recently my wife and I moved into a new house and uh, our hot water heater wasn't working. And it was just because the thing was turned off. The hot water faucet was always there. I could turn it on. I could turn it off. But I didn't Love use that. it, right? All I had to do was go turn that hot water heater on that I already possessed that was already in the house that, I, that we were in, and I had hot water. It was already there. So often I think we assume we go look at someone like yourself who's gone the distance, who's got the testimony, and we say, man, the gap between me and you is unreachable. I don't know why God chose Telvin like he did. And the difference is you turn that hot water on. You realize that you possess that already, that God had already put it in you. You just had to flip that switch and turn the faucet on. And so often we think, man, if the Lord would just give me a hot water heater, if the Lord would just give me that that energy or that possession in order to go do the thing, well, then I could do what I wanted, but it hasn't happened for me yet. And you're saying, no, listen, creation is yearning. You are a son. You are a daughter. Go do it. You just got to turn it on, man. You just yes. got to turn it on. Yeah. It's there. It's there. The only difference between someone who's gone the distance and you is they've stewarded something over time. They've stepped into stewardship and they've taken that next step over and over and over and over again. Eventually that adds up. It's a time thing. It's a chance thing. But it's a walking it out and keeping the faucet on. Yeah, I love it. That's a great analogy. I like it. I'm going to steal it. Swiping it. It's yours. Swiper. <laughs> you know, I, I love as I'm hearing both of you guys talk about this, just seeing in your own story, I feel like a lot of times people, whether you want to say it's they have the question or they have the excuse that I don't know what to do or I have too many options, but we can see in your story that God, whether it was God leading you or you just making the decision to always come back to your gift Yes. What, as we were talking about the good thing in you, what what God was in you, that leadership thing that just happened, whether it was on the streets playing football, organizing people, or it was you in that role in the manager school while you were in college, you just continued to, to come back to your gifting. And when you didn't know what else to hammer on, that's what you came back to. Absolutely. I it wasn't a hard else. thing that you had to come up with. It was just, you know what, I'm just going to operate in what I've been given. Yeah. I grew up here and get in where you fit in. Mm. That's like, okay, this is where I fit. Yeah. It's where I fit in. I now say to my clients, monetize your grace. Mm. Your mm. gift, your talent is your grace. Yeah. Figure out what it is and monetize that because there's nothing else to monetize. Yeah. And certainly when sometimes I have people who say to me, well, I don't really want to, I'm not sure if I want to do that. I want to use that. I'm not sure if I want to use that for money. Wait a minute. You don't want to use your gift for money? Well, what is, like, how do you eat? Mm. How does the world work? Works with money. Like, this side right. of heaven right. works on money, right? Bible says money answers all things. <laughs> and you need things, okay? Yeah. So you got to work where you get money. But here's the thing. Do you find nature? And I, I do this because I, you know, I talk to people who are, who are, I call, I say you are ecumenical, or you're not ecumenical, right? Okay. And I don't, so you're, you're faith-based or you're not. Right. And so I, I talk to broader audiences. So sometimes I can't use that language, but here's the language that they do understand. I go, so think about the universe. When you're clear about what you want, the universe will conspire to help you. 
that's for somebody who's non ecumenical. Right. right. For a Christian, if you're clear what you want, the spirit will help you. But spirit cannot move with nothing. If you're double-minded, it's this double-minded man can receive nothing. Mm. If you're double-minded, the spirit isn't moving. Wow. <laughs> Again, other people, the universe will conspire to help you when you're clear about what you want. Yeah. Now, you could be wrong. That's okay. It'll still move. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Because you have to live from your heart. So for me, what I have always done is I've lived from my heart because that's integrity. We are so often trying to please other people, tell people what they want to hear, but you got to live. You can't, you can't even really pray to God. You could do everything right, which doesn't help you with your relationship with God, but you could do anything you want, everything, anything you want to do. And at the end of the day, if you're not honest with yourself and him, then you cannot pray and worship him in spirit and truth. You're worshiping in lies. <laughs> You're self-deceiving yourself. So let's just say you want to build a billion-dollar business. And you say, no, I don't know if that's right because I don't know if that the Lord doesn't want, you know, billions too much. If that's what you want to do. Be inspired and do it. Like, seriously. Yeah. Well, but you're not living in integrity. Right. If you're saying that, Right. So for me, I have to go back and say to myself, wait a minute, if you understand that, I, that you absolutely have to be clear about what you want to do, then you'll see the spirit move. You'll see the universe come to help you. Then I can come back and say, well, the work that I have, it has to work out for me. It has to work. It may fail once or twice because I, I don't understand the whole plan. Right. But it absolutely ultimately has to work for me. Why? Because I'm moving integrity. Right. And when I say integrity, I don't mean like honest or whatever. No, it's energetic spirits moving behind that's something that's real, pure, and righteous, like cold water. Mm. That's an interesting <laughs> aspect of integrity. I never thought about it that way. It's that energy that's coming from yourself. You're, you could say almost in a sense being true to who God has designed you to be. Yeah. You're operating out of a place of personal integrity. I could go and try and work in HR, and I would not be working in integrity. <laughs> like, oh, that sounds like a serious problem. You should probably go fix it. Yeah, it wouldn't. I, but but there's other areas where that energy does create a lot of waves. So it's it's being true to that and realizing, hey, this isn't like. It's so funny you mentioned the double mindedness, and man, that was powerful. That was. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I think sometimes we think. God is double-minded, therefore we act double-minded. Well, God did give me these talents and these skill sets and this opportunity, but I don't know if he wants me to do this. I don't know if he wants me to do this. And then you start doubting the goodness of God, and then you stop operating from a perspective of he's given me this direction or he's given me this thing, and then you just stop. Mm -hmm. You just stop. And, and it's that disbelief in God's own integrity and own intention that makes us operate in a double-minded way, which means we almost have to start with this belief that God really is who he says he is. And God really made me to be this way. And I can trust him and I can trust the way that he made me and I can walk in that. That's super important. He is really that good. He's mm. really that good. Yeah. And you're approved and you're that good. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. 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 I well, don't think we believe that. 
That is good. I feel like he was in that. We have a only a couple of minutes left. Somehow that time went by. So I want to get to our final five questions, but I wish we could keep going on an hour. That was that was good stuff. Powerful. So we have our final five questions that we asked everyone who comes on the show in our last five minutes. Yeah. So you ready, Telvin? I'm ready. The final, the, the final five is usually scary. Yeah. You know, I see those shows like I'm like, oh my god, I see people struggling. <laughs> All right, let's see. You're gonna do great. I believe in you. Uh, so question number one. I'm not one. good. I'm not good. You're that, that good. good. You're yeah. that good. It's not your fault. There You're you go. awesome. So question number one is the typical podcast question. What are your top three must-read books, not including the Bible, can be business, family, spiritual, cookbook? Ah, there you go. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That's good. That's good. I would say, you know, you're going to hear this probably from a lot of people, but I would say number one, I think Good to Great is a really yes. good book. I think people need to read that. Another book that I think is really, really helpful, and I think people have forgotten about this book, but it's an old but good book. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I think people kind of miss that book for some reason. They go, oh, it's old or whatever. I'm in the middle of rereading that one right now. (laughs) Yeah. So good. And, you know, another book that I'm a big fan of is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yes. By the way, the story behind it, right? I mean, Napoleon actually went broke, right? But it doesn't mean, (laughs) and he was broke, and he was broke because he didn't follow what he knew. Right. Um, he probably didn't take his time or chance. Right. <laughs> right. Because it probably came to him. And that's the other part that goes along with that. Right. Because sun shines on the just and the unjust. So whether you're a Christian or not, he probably got his time and chance and didn't take it. But I think those three books, those are staple books. Right. I can yeah. give you a bunch of the things. But I think if you're a new entrepreneur, if you are actually struggling through entrepreneurship, those three books, I think, are really good books to give you context yes. to say, OK, now, what should I go study? It's like going on a cruise. You can go to five cities, but then you got to go, which city do I want to spend time in? Right. The next time I go back, That's right, good. I want to lay, right, you go know. Go a little deeper. I want to go deeper. Right. Yeah. And you, you can find that from those three books. Now, those, those are three great books. Yeah, I love that. Question number two, you can send a note card back to yourself when you first started off on your entrepreneurial journey. What are the three pieces of advice you're putting on that card? Wow. I would say... Expect lots of failure. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, for real. Expect no, a lot that's of a failure. Good one. As a corporate guy, you're not taught how to think about selling. You don't think about what people will buy. People will be shocked moving from corporate America to entrepreneurship about what people are willing to buy and need. And corporate just confuses you all about that. Like, just get your crazy about that. So I would say failure in that context, not knowing how to go and sell, not what to sell. Right. Right. So that's number one. Number two, build a community of people around Mm. you. And I think too often people also are building their communities upwardly about like, I got to learn from this guy who's done it forever. I think you need to have that. Yeah. But you also need to have people who've done it forever and people who I call it 360. You need to have people who are peer to you and they're going the same battle with you because they're learning stuff, right? Right. And then you need to find some people below you. Yes. Honestly, I have this, they don't know anything about it, but they're just, they can give you insight and thoughts that your brain isn't working in that mode right now. Right. Right. Outside perspective. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's important that you got to have a community. But it's important though to have that community be more people who are for you the naysayers. There's a great book uh, called by Bruce Wilkerson and the name it's called the dream giver. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah that yeah. book is great. Yeah, and you know, you got to be careful because there are a lot of ordinaries 
who are fearful, yeah. right? And so you got to keep the ordinaries out of your life, right? That's the only way you can get to extra extraordinary. So I have all my clients read that book. So I think that's number two, a community. And then the third thing that I would tell, because I didn't, I didn't do good with community in the beginning. Like yeah. I was like a corporate guy, by the way. You know, listen, I, people know me. I can do this, whatever. But I knew nothing about what I was doing. So, and the third one I'd say is this. I feel like I would have told myself to actually give my time, myself more time to be successful because I wanted to quit a lot, mm. many times. Because I knew the corporate game. I knew the mode. It, I know the playbook. I knew how it would work. And we all have that. So, you know, if, you, if you're in corporate, you maybe you've had whatever experience you've had, your subconscious is built around that reference point. So you're actually having to beat your subconscious, right? <laughs> Literally. No, and that's hard because, right, we know the science behind that, right? It's really ruined, ruling your life. But I think if I had told myself at the beginning, this is going to be really hard, don't quit. I have a really good friend. His name is Marcus Buckingham. He wrote the book, How to Break All the Rules. He was my executive coach when I was at Kohl's. And Marcus said to me when I told him I was thinking about starting a business, I was still at Kohl's. And he told me, he goes, you're not going to be successful at this because you actually don't need to do this. Hmm. He goes, as long as you have money in the bank, you won't do the hard work that it takes to be an entrepreneur. You're not going to make the phone calls. You're not going to humble yourself. You're not going to work hard at figuring out the angle to get your product to market and sell the message. It won't happen. Wow. This is you fail. He was right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to burn the boats. Got to burn the boats. Yeah. That's so good. I think that was three. Yeah, that was three. Those are good threes. And you're the second one, actually, person to mention that, that book, uh, The Dream Giver. Oh, that book is everything. That's a, it's a good one. Question number three, how do you define success for yourself now? That's a good question. I would say I'm no longer, you know, I used to have this like, I got to make this certain amount of money. My business has to be this certain size. For me today, it's got to be like, I'm just enjoying what I do. And like, I'm paying my bills. Okay? I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, now listen, do I have financial goals? Yes. But I don't have this thing. Like when I started in corporate America, I was like, I'm going to run that place. Right. Listen, they're all going to be working for me. <laughs> I don't have that today. That's changed. But I'm at a different point in my life. Right. I buy into the whole model of more the Genesis scenario where, or I'm sorry, the Old Testament scenario where the young men go to war and right. the young men stay home. You know, I'm at that place, not quite, but I'm almost there where the majority of my work is about me giving. Right. Like, you know, I'm doing this today. Majority of that. It's what I did yesterday for Texas State SHRM, Texas State Society of Human Resource Management. Like, it's more about, like, let me give you what I've learned right. and let me add some 2020 context to it. Right. And so that's probably success for me that I go, I'm leaving people better that's more important to me than like, all right, I need to build a big firm or something like that. Right. That's, that's probably over in my mindset right now. Leaving people better. I like that one. You got some good notable quotables. Notable quotables. <laughs> I like that. Awesome. Uh, question number four, when times have gotten tough, what's kept you from quitting? I would say very first thing is I'm just not a quitter. Yeah. Like I'm, it's not in me. Like I am the guy that if I was in a fight, 
I would actually like bite part of this table off and like, you know, <laughs> try to use it to kill you. Um, no, seriously, I'm just like, you know, I might have like one arm left, right? And, and my eyes are laying over there. I'm just that scrappy. Like, that's who I am. I've always been that person. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't go into these moments where I'm going, okay, this is just too hard. Yeah. Certainly in corporate America, I had it all the time where I was like, oh no, I got to get out of this. I got to leave. I got to do this. And then there's a part of me, and I don't, I, you know, people would say this, right? There are people who've said to me, well, you have the Lord, and you know, you need to be strong in the Lord. I don't disagree with you on that, right? Let's say, let's say I believe <laughs> that theologically, but practically, I'm going to say, well, right now, we're, me and the Lord ain't cool on this issue right now because I'm, I'm worn out, I'm tired. Yeah. And so what I do for those scenarios is, I just take a two or three day breather. I may literally just mm. shut down and like get back to my center because when I get back to my center, I'm going to come back like right. fighting, like, right. Mm. But I got to slow down, right. do two or three days and go, all right, just, just leave this for a moment. Mm. Right. And I even did that in corporate America. Literally, I might not have like not come to work, obviously, but I just go, I'm just going to disengage for about two or three days let me bring myself back to center and let me put this all in perspective. And for me, corporate America, I just kept saying, it's a game. I kept telling myself, this is a game. Like today, you just, you know, it's like that shoots and ladders game. You just took two steps back. That's okay. Right. It's, it's going to be okay. Right. But I, I do that. But I ultimately in my heart know this. And this is something that I could tell you today more with conviction that I could tell you that I knew in theory before. The stuff I use, you can't lose. <laughs> I'm being honest. That's it. The stuff I use, I can't lose. He is in me. I'm a manifestation of him. Nothing is really against me. Yes. Wow. Nothing. Nothing's <laughs> against me. That's right? amazing. That's I can amazing. let it be. I, with my own projection, my own thought, I can let it be. It doesn't mean I don't suffer. Listen, Paul actually died, was burned and died. But, you know, he was like, all right, I'm getting out of this vat. I'm done. I think right. it was Paul or Stephen. I don't know which one, but right? right. He's like, I'm done. All right. He died. He probably died or he got hit, stoned, right? Right. But he got Steve, back up. Yeah. Why? Because the stuff they used, they could not lose. When right. they were ready to go, they were ready to go. Come on. He snake bit him. What do you do? Oh my God, the snake bit me. I'm going to die. No. Oh, you're snake. Do you know who I am? Do Bye. you know who yeah. I am? Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, because the stuff I use, you can't lose. So I consistently bring myself back to that going, Come on. everything is subject to me. Not because Telvin's amazing, because it's who I house. Right. Right? When they touched, when they touched that vessel that was carrying the spirit of the Lord right. and they shouldn't, what happened? Right? But when it was in Obed-Edom's house, everything that was in his house prospered, Yeah, right? It's what's supposed to happen to us, but it can't happen to you if you don't believe it. Mm. And if you're doing things to sabotage it. So for me, what brings me back every time I just go, it's going, this too shall pass. <laughs> That's awesome, man. You got some good stuff. So final question, what question should we have asked that we didn't? Now, that one's a very tough question. Uh, I don't know. That's that's a good question. I'm going to have to take a pun on that because I don't know. Take a pun? I'm going to take a pun on that one. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. You, you give me another question. I'll be glad to answer it. Awesome. Well, the only other question we have, if people want to learn more about you, if they want to get in touch, 
Where, where can they go? How can they? My website is www.humanfluent.com. That's the word human and then fluent, F-L-U-E-N-T, like I'm fluent in Spanish. Right. Which I'm not. Um, <laughs> He's human fluent, not Spanish yeah, There fluent. you go, humanfluent.com. And I'm Telvin Jeffries. I'm like on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all as Telvin Jeffries. Awesome. Well, and we'll put all that in the show notes. Yep. Telvin, thank you so much for coming on today. It was an honor and uh, I know I was blessed. Thank you guys. And likewise for me, it was a pleasure. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend. It would help us out tremendously. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch and get a free copy of the first chapter of Pierce's new book, Calling, how to partner with God in any business, with any boss, at any place in life. Then click on the link in the show notes to sign up for our weekly email or visit piercebrantley.co slash podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.